This is the Hack the Future podcast, the human stories behind courage, purpose, and imagination. Join your host, Terrence Mowry, who will guide you on the journey of reimagining the world as we know it. Today's challenges can't be solved with yesterday's thinking. I'm delighted to meet Alex Amoel, who is the executive director at Solve and the author of a great new book, The Answer Is You, a guidebook to creating a life full of impact. In this interview, we'll deep dive into why problem solving requires innovation, activism, and you. Alex, welcome to Hack the Future. How are you today? I'm really well. Hi, Taryn. Great to hear your voice and catch up. And I think we've got an exciting announcement. So first of all, congratulations on your new book, The Answer Is You, a guidebook to creating a life full of impact. Thank you. Thank you so much. It came out a few days ago and I'm really, really excited. Wonderful. What we're going to do today for our listeners is dive, uh, sort of dive and unpack your new book, some of the key themes and takeaways and calls to action. And I wanted to say I love this this line, problem solving requires innovation, activism and you. Tell me more about that. Um, sure. So I wrote this book um, in part because people of all ages, young and old, people in the middle of their careers, at the end of their careers, mm. or right at the beginning, um, ask me all the time, you know, oh, the types of work and type of career you've had in social impact is really interesting. Mm. How can I get started? I want to do good in the world. Yes. And I think there's this perception that unless you're working in an NGO or unless you have the right degree, mm. um, you can't um, to sort of participate. In, Almost out in of reach. Sort of improving. Yeah, that yes. it's sort of hard and requires a lot of, of of degrees or a lot of uh or requires you to have a job in the sector yes and so in in wanting to help these people partly and help sort of um anyone else who who cares about social impact Mm. um i ended up writing this book and and the key message is that you know we really need everybody to get in the game yes and and that means all of you and people who whether you're young or old whether you're a lawyer whether you're a student whatever it is and that you have skills and experience to bring to bear and that there's ways to get started that don't mean quitting everything you're doing um but that you can get started through your volunteering through your giving through your investing through getting through networking and that through that you can move the needle in your life Mm. uh I say one of the chapters is about starting with 10% of your time and money. Yes, I saw that. Move from 10 to 20 to 30. And over time, you know, create this life full of impact. Um, And that that's necessary Mm. both, you know, in that sense for you to live your purpose and and sort of to be a happy and fulfilled individual. But Mm. it's also necessary for the world. These these big challenges that we have mm. are not going to get solved if it's, sort of everyone doesn't yes. get in the game. You know, one mm. like climate change is sort of the, the obvious example here. It reminds me of this saying, to change the game, you need to make ch- uh, game-changing moves. And I think it was Einstein who wrote, you can't navigate a new world with an old map. Uh, indeed, indeed. <laughs> and I think uh, I think there's, uh, I do quote uh I do quote Einstein at some point in the book, yes. but um, I also sort of 
have this analogy of we need, uh, and this is something that the the president of MIT, Raphael, um, says uh, uh, often, but is um, we need everyone to take their seats at the problem solving table. Yes. The timing seems so right. We're at this inflection point. Everything's changing. In fact, the only thing that changes is change. Uh, Antonio Guterres, UN Secretary General, talks about a code red for humanity, uh, conflicts and COVID-19 and climate emergencies. And when you when you wrote the book, for a reader of the book who gets the book, you know, what's going to be, what would be one of the sort of boldest calls to action? Um yeah so i think um i wrote the book during the pandemic actually and and you know also um you know during the renewed racial justice movement following the death of george floyd Mm. and i think that i saw this energy from everybody to want to to do something and want to take action and so really in the in the prologue i really start with this idea that now more than ever mm. it's time to get in the game and time to get started there's there is uh no waiting anymore and there's no i think um the idea that mm. automatically our children will be better off yes than we are is something that's no longer assured it's a broken and assumption be, mm. yeah and that's really scary i yes. think yes um but at the same time it gives me a lot of hope when I see mm. the enthusiasm and the activism and the protests and and all of that of people who really want to get in the game. And when you look yes. at Gen Zs and millennials, but Gen Zs especially, mm. um, you really see that they care a lot about social impact. Survey mm. after survey tells us that and that they care uh, about living a life of purpose and you know even mm. on some level there's there's this rising eco anxiety it seems so they care yes. you know almost too much that they become mm. depressed about the the climate mm. situation but i think yeah. that we have to capture that energy and i think we can yes in in then action and turning you know one of the other people i quote in the book mm. um a professor harvard julie bettinina Yes. It uses this useful framework of saying, um, are you an agitator, an innovator, or an orchestrator? Mm. That in any social change That's movement, brilliant. you need all three. Yes. yes no, it's, it's not me, just to be clear, it's Julie. <laughs> um, but you need all three. And so I think it's how do you see yourself yes. as, a, as a human mm. as in one of these three categories? Mm. And how do you then collaborate mm. between those three categories to advance social change. Um, Um, The first chapter Mm. of the book and the first, I guess, if there's one thing that Mm. you have to do Mm. is about, um, and I I start the chapter with a a quote from from Rumi. Yes. um, But who, and I'm going to paraphrase this quote, um, but it sort of is, yesterday I was so clever, I wanted to change the world. Mm. Today I'm wise, so I'm changing myself. Yes. And really that first chapter, which mm. is partly inspired by you, Terrence, I think, oh, is, thank you. is called uh, Reveal Your Superpower. Yes, I, I, but, I've got that in front of me right now. and it's, Yeah, t- exactly, yes, exactly. Yes. But it is about before you go out and 
attach yourself to a problem or mm. come up with an app or whatever solution or join, you know, a movement or whatever it is. Mm. Think about what you bring to the table. Think about your unique upbringing, your, mm. your skills, your lived experience, the good and the bad, right? The yes. trauma is also, in a sense, uh, important mm. in, in that. Mm. And, and then sort of get clear on that because that's, you know, then when you sort of overlay what the problems of the world are, mm. it is that intersection between mm. all these different issues in the world that millions and billions of the most underserved people face today. Yes. And your superpowers and the intersection of that is your mm. purpose. And so getting clear in the first place on what you bring to the table is the first step and the most important step. I love that. And it's a real message, uh, a call to action message of uh, empowerment and shaping the future and making things happen. And it chimes really nicely with uh, chapter six, uh, which I'll read out for our listeners' benefit. Wrestle with your personal kryptonite and the impact paradox. Tell me more. Uh Yes, and that was that was you know I'd say that that was the hardest chapter to write, and I don't know that I've got it fully right. So yes. so re, you know, readers will excuse me in that. I hope. Yes. But, you know, the first few chapters get you amped up a bit and yes. get you like, yes, I can do this, and the last few chapters also get you amped up, saying, yes, I can do this. Yes. And this middle chapter is an inflection point mm. where I really sort of bring in some reality and pragmatism mm. and some difficult conversations. Yes. And that is both reflecting on yourself and mm. your privilege and your biases mm. and the negative things in a sense, your weaknesses, whatever it is, the negative things you bring to the table mm. that you need to, again, be aware of Yes, and think through as you go about this work in a humble way, mm. and as you you don't sort of think you can show up in a geography or on a topic that you know nothing about, and tell yes. people who've you know spent their lifetimes doing things or that have experienced these issues that you know you know better because you have a degree from the right place or yes. whatever it is, right? Um, so that's sort of one aspect mm. of the chapter, and, and definitely that that's a you know I think a, a very important but also evolving conversation. Mm. Um, so I think it it, it sort that's, of um, mm. it's sort of a hard hard one to sort of capture, but I, yes. I certainly tried to do my best. And it's, then the yes. other thing, this impact paradox, mm. is one that is more a reflection on the whole social impact. Space. Mm. And it is the recognition, I think, um, and again, sort of in any social change movement, going back to this, mm. that it's really hard to mm. change the system without being in some way mm. part of the system or collaborating with the system. Mm. And that there's an inherent paradox mm. within that. Um, mm. And that can show up in in various ways mm. that you know as a nonprofit mm. you might be trying to you know do something really good in education or women's rights or climate mm. and you have to make decisions about who you take money from mm. and 
you might be taking money from people who you know whose climate record or is you know do you take money from an oil company is yes. one of the questions i pose in the so book so many paradoxes um, there, yes. and is that okay mm. if it's for women's rights mm. uh or is that okay if it's for climate and is there a difference yes uh, and are you going to stay in business or are you going to be bankrupt before you find out <laughs> if you say no to that money yes and there's lots of paradoxes do you work with governments that are not democracies Mm. on again on particular issues you you care about Mm. and and these show up in in lots of ways Mm. um i think throughout history to be honest yes that it's really you know i think there's um you know on one side um there's certainly this idea that Mm. you know it should be, I don't know, revolution and not reform, or that you, um, or that we can't, you know, you you sort of, you mm. need to agitate and mm. call out people in power, and mm. that um, you shouldn't sit down with them and shouldn't collaborate. But I think throughout yes. history and also in in this in this space, and particularly in social impact, mm. in practice, at some point, even if you as an sort of agitator type Mm. don't want to sit down with those in power somebody else is gonna have to because it's very difficult or i would say almost impossible to change them if you don't have the system itself Mm. you know some inside part that helps um change Mm. the system and sort of i use examples in that um Mm. this is sort of all very esoteric i would say right now yes but the in chapter six, I use quite a lot of, it, of examples of different people. Mm. Um, and throughout the book, I, I've interviewed 21 change makers, activists, social entrepreneurs. Yes. But I use a few of their examples to see how they were struggling through mm. different aspects of that. Mm. Uh, am I an activist or do I work for big, a big organization, mm. a big bureaucratic organization? Uh, mm. Who do I take money from? How do you know where? Who do I play with, et cetera, et cetera? And so mm. that's um, you know that that's a very important chapter. Yes. Um, but I think that if I if I'd only written about that, and there are some books which sort of only write about that yes. piece, I, I don't think it's very solutions orientated, mm. if you will. And it sort of it it's it's sort of I try and move on from the critique of the space. To actually, uh, solution to, focus. Okay, yeah, to sort of saying, let's be aware of that. Yes. And be aware of our own issues and our own biases and privilege, mm. and then, and then still step into the arena. Um, and this is uh, Theodore Roosevelt's quote. Yes. Um, but but do so in a do so in a way in the right way and in acknowledging mm. all of the issues that come with that, so that you can bring collaborate with everybody and that you can bring forth um and mm. you can bring forth solutions but with with the right knowledge and with yes. the right wisdom i i love that and i love those messages and it actually reminds me of this metaphor which is writing a book is a bit like being a lobster you go through a process <laughs> you go through a process called exodysis to break out of your shell every year you have to show both courage and vulnerability 
And you also enter a space where you focus on deep work rather than shallow work. And I just wanted to ask, when you reflect on your your writing journey, what did you what discoveries or surprising insights did you make about yourself along that journey? Oh, that's really interesting question. Thank mm, you, Terence. Um yeah, I mean, I think it was very interesting because, indeed, I wrote this book during the pandemic. Because I remember and... we had conversations in the run-up just before the pandemic hit. And, yeah. I know, you know, and you know we've spoken about this before. You know, I've written books uh, as well, and it, it can be very isolating sometimes. And there is a real kind of mental and emotional journey, I think, that uh, writers go on that can be galvanizing when you look back, but pretty tough at the time. Yeah, I think I think the thing is, because I was, you know, like everybody um, stuck at home, mm. in a sense, it gave me writing this book gave me purpose and and mm. and and, and, um, real focus. and an opportunity mm. and focus mm. at a time when, you know, I think it wouldn't I could have done even more work, let's say. Yes. Or, or I don't know, watch Netflix and and all of these things mm. um, were perfectly acceptable in in sort of um, doing our duty by staying yes. at home, if you will. Mm. Um, but I I decided to you know I I had already planned this in a way, but mm. it allowed me to say, wow, well this is a good time to really focus in on that. Yes. And so from and I think also as I was seeing how issues in the world were unfolding it mm. sort of only gave me more purpose and more oomph to sort of mm. to write this and to finish this mm. I think where probably I you know I what I learned about myself the most I think mm. is is indeed in sort of it is reflected actually in chapter nine a little bit which yes. is which is about um investing in yourself yes. and essentially um really notably thinking about burnout and mm. thinking about um, how often in the social impact space when we are mission driven mm. uh, and it's not only that but I think mm. that you know the mission becomes sometimes more important than yourself and, and you, you can end up paying uh, paying what I call a passion tax it, yes indeed mm. you you say it better that you don't um, and you know you, you might not always it depends but mm. indeed if you're volunteering if you're underpaid if you know your benefits might not be as good or just you know reg regardless of that just mm. you're so you're so determined and mission driven and the work is never done yes there's never you know there might be small victories but there's still big issues out there mm. um that can be very draining yes. and i you know i was writing that chapter mm. um more from a rational perspective but mm. i think i underestimated how much i was living through it um, yes. partly because of the pandemic and partly i have a full-time job i yes. was writing this book on you know in the evenings and on the weekends mm, uh, that's a big commitment i had yeah. nothing else to do but nonetheless <laughs> and so and so it you know and i think this my perhaps my stress response if i may may yes. say that is yes. also is wanting to be productive and wanting to be useful and wanting to do something and so mm. i did and then on the back end on that i realized i was like oh wow that was really really 
straining and tiring and <laughs> and you know I so I and yes, my physical I, I had some uh, some few issues with my physical health mm, nothing dramatic but the yes. but that is like uh, I sort of lived through chapter nine myself you know mm, uh, without I didn't follow my own advice basically in that case <laughs> I would say <laughs> yeah well, I, so I, that was I think the, yes. the biggest thing for me in the end. Oh, yeah, yeah I, you know, I appreciate you sharing that journey and um, that segues really nicely into your conclusion where you say, uh, you know, if not you, then who? And this idea of if not me, then who? And if not now, then when? And tell me more about the kind of next step actions and also those helpful resources um, and takeaways in the book. Um, yeah, so I think that the, um, you know, I think that the, once you've read the book and hopefully you yes. read the book and, and you like it and mm. it takes you through this this journey and there's a couple of um there's this matrix between mm. um thinking about your superpowers and yes. thinking about your um the problems of this world there's an impact balance sheet yes um, so some really practical sort of, frameworks it, as, as well and tools uh where you can think through what are your you know different aspects of your life not just your career but mm. indeed your money your family etc cetera, etc cetera, mm. and think about where you can have an impact on those mm. um there's sort of the the conclusion thinks about a 10-year plan and what are mm. what questions you might ask yourself but you sort of have to build from from those sort of first tools yes. to think about that and the reason why um we think uh, about a 10-year plan is mm. is sort of that it leaves room for miracles and for catastrophes in a sense. Mm. Five years is, uh, and this is a quote um, from from Nubar Rafayan, who's the uh, chairman and, and yeah. co-founder of Moderna. Oh, uh, yes, who yes. You might have a jab in your arm from. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, but it's this idea that, you know, almost five years or a year, you'll sort of already get bogged down in how to implement things mm. and therefore you won't, you'll get, you know, rightly stressed about, oh, I can't do this and I want mm. to. 10 years is a, an ambitious, a long enough time that you can be as ambitious as you want. Yes. And that even if you, you know, even the, if something like the pandemic happens mm. or something uh, in your personal life happens and that sets you back, there's mm. time still to, to, to sort of, realize your goals so i like that a lot um i like that actually then, it's um as a, a a short interjection there and it reminds me of uh, this idea as well that um you know a, a life is a life is short i mean 960 months is 80 years of age or nearly 4000 weeks and of course we spend three a third of that asleep um, and it's, it's never been easier to waste time as well, I think, just in terms of battles for attention and uh, attention extraction platforms and so on. So I think really uh, activating that uh, that why, that purpose um, with a strong social impact is such a powerful way of uh, unlocking uh, potential and really uh, creating legacy. Yeah, and I think it's... Um... I think still today, it you know I'm not saying it's always easy for for yeah. everyone, and I, mm -hmm. I imagine that the majority of the world today is still, you know, is living under two dollars a day, mm. is living in in 
in in various forms of subjugation and poverty um i don't think that you know i can um there are many people still in uh, the united states or in the uk who are working two or three jobs and mm. you know really do not have the choice with what they do with their waking hours yes um, and i don't you know i think that that i don't want to minimize that no. in in any way mm. um but i do think that for for those of us who do and mm. uh, i'm going to presume that that is the readers of this book by and large yes um there are ways even if there are many obligations and indeed you can't always quit your day job and in the case of the us you might have huge mm. student loans or or whatever it is yes um you can carve out spaces and this is what that 10% piece is is helpful as a yes. starting point you can carve out pieces um that are meaningful and may also you know where you can involve your children where you can involve your community where it doesn't have to be i where indeed that you as you're taking care of your retirement accounts you can think through um the impact mm. investments that you can have in there so it doesn't have to be um oh i have to volunteer at this thing and you know i have to, that takes me away from my kids or yes. things like that and, and so yes. Yes. and so finding the that sort of wedge of mm. impact if you will mm. and then as you do that as you do that 10% mm. um like you're going to meet lots of people who are also you know and that's just going to increase 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 as you go mm. and you're going to develop new skills and new experiences that then you know that can then impact you know your career and your career choices and and everything like that so so that's that's yes. my my hope overall. And I, and I love that. And I wanted to say in our final you know five minutes together, when when you look back on your journey, um, you've worked at Save the Children, uh, director of programs at the Clinton Global Initiative, um, founding director of Solve at MIT. You know, when you think back uh, on these these different milestones. How do you think they've all converged to to get you to where you are right now in terms of in terms and and obviously the the book? Um, that's really interesting, and I'm gonna mm. quote an off quoting uh, off quoted Steve Jobs on that. Yes. Right? The the dots start making yes. more sense in hindsight, if yes. you will. But I think I always, as as sort of regards the moves I made in my career, I I always ask myself, is this something where I can have an impact and mm. where my skills and experience are best utilized, which is sort of that first chapter. Yes. And then is it taking me, I don't know what it is in like five years or 10 years, or, you know, I, I don't have this big ambition of, oh, in mm. X number of years, I'll be whatever. Yes. Um, but, but I think it was like, oh, can I learn something? Can I have an impact? Mm. Can I, are my skills and experience best utilized in this moment? Mm. And, you know, is that the next sort of five or so years of my life? Yes. And that has served me well. And mm. then, you know, when you, when you look at sort of certainly my job today mm. at Solve, mm. it combines, you know, being at a scientific and technological institution with, social impact mm. and it combines you know both program aspects 
and then you know as an executive director i'm yes. responsible for finance and hr and operations etc yes well you know bizarrely i did do i i I did a degree in biochemistry after yes. my undergraduate and then switched to international relations mm. uh, for my master's, which some people at the time certainly were like, well, that's a 180. <laughs> and what are you doing there? Um, and, you know, and often I had to explain that a little bit, you mm. know, why, why I made that switch. Um, and then my role at Save the Children was a lot of the finance, legal and operations pieces. And then when I went to the Clinton Foundation, I switched again, probably 180 to do uh, more programmatic work. Um, yes. And again, you know, suddenly when I came to solve and I was doing the interviews and other things, then it was really helpful to say, yeah, I'm actually originally a scientist, <laughs> but I've been working in, in social impact. And mm. yeah, I've actually done both the, the operational side and the programmatic side. Mm. And and things like that and so suddenly a lot of this these things that may not have seen mm. that for some people at the time seemed like one 180s started to make sense for this role so yes um so i think you know um that that's more career advice than mm. than anything else and even social impact advice i think it's it's um for yes. me it's what where can i have an impact yes. where can i be most effective yes and uh, where can I learn something? And is that that? If, do I think that holds true for about five years? And then yes, and then jump. You know that if you're if any of you are it's, thinking of changing jobs at the moment, that's sort of such what I would mm, think such brilliant you. such brilliant um, insights there. And yeah, you know, when you have the chance to to reflect on your journey and and think about okay, something I came across actually as well, which I thought was interesting, was a a regret minimization framework not my words, where you kind of, you leap into the future, you imagine yourself uh, and, and sort of think, what would I regret not doing the most? And that can also act as a, a clarifier or a simplifier of where to uh, turn your attention. And I, I wanted to ask you, what would you hope um, to hear from, from, a, from somebody who got the book and, uh, and read it and applied it? Well, I guess um, I'll be already, you know, I think the, the truth is, um, Terence, part of writing the book, I mm. was also very naive mm. in not imagining then that people would read the book right? <laughs> <laughs> and that they, would, that they would, you know, love it, hate mm. it, be indifferent, right? Mm. And, and I, and, and you know now that's starting to happen and yes. and, and people are quickly to, to emailing me and, and various things and i'm like oh wow <laughs> wow people have thoughts about my thoughts yes and i've expressed you know my honest opinions and, and you know in some cases maybe it could be too honest in that yes. way who knows yes um and so and so i think i was naive in like thinking through that I know it sounds <laughs> it's it sounds incredibly naive no not at all so, so so yes but the and so I you know and I hope that mm. the large majority of people will love it yes as opposed to either hating it or being indifferent that those those two things will be will be will be sad or or that they buy it and they don't even read it right so yes. uh, a first my first hope is that people read it my second hope is by and large that 
very large majority of people love it. Yes. And then that it's um that they say to me, you know, that's been really helpful and clarifying. I was asking myself these questions or I didn't have the mm. um it was trotting in my head, but I didn't really have the courage to take the next step and this helped me think through it and now I feel more confident about taking the next step, right? This or, is what yes. and this is Mm. Uh, the you know I think the ultimate ever anyone who publishes a book in, yes. in one sense right is mm. if you have one person and there are certain books I've read which have done that to mm. me I would say but if you um, if there's one person who comes up to me and says that book changed my life in some way right I it gave me what I needed at the time and and then mm. looking back you know it's probably five years from now or ten years from now this was hugely inspiring, you know, mm. that will have done it for me. And, and that's pretty, yes. I mean, that's a pretty high bar, I think, uh, nowadays to still, to still be so naive. <laughs> I think that maybe it's... one person's going to read this and it's going yes. like, to change their life. But obviously, uh, I hope that at a minimum people, people really so. love it and I people, so. and then some people say that was really useful to me yes. in thinking through something so i th i, I think know, so i mean enough. i think so I'm, I'm, i mean for me personally i think it reading the book it's you know first of all we shouldn't waste one of the biggest reframing moments of our lifetime two we've all got a voice and we've got, all got value to add we can all uh, be, be change agents and create uh, a movement um wherever we're at in our lives and that's incredibly empowering because I think there is a lot of there's a lot of fake empowerment out there historically. And what I love about your book is it's it's really a um, practical, energizing uh, call to action, and it's it's and it's planting those questions. What are the uh, the bold moves, the boldest questions that um, we can ask today to? to solve these different challenges that the planet faces so it's 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 a message that the world needs yeah well thank you and, <laughs> and yeah hopefully um yeah i'm i'm i think the world is you know the the message comes from people and come from world i think yes. part of it is that everybody does want to do this and especially mm. these younger generations mm. and then i think we there's a lot of confusion and frustration and we it feels to many people too hard to get started in this and so yes and so they don't end up doing it so yes. but i think the message is there yes. in each of us if you will yes and that we want to do good in the world we want to take action we want to live lives of purpose that's sort of a that's a given yes. and it's how how do i you know i'm trying in a sense to give you permission yes. to do what you want to do Yes. and to give you some practical tips to and frameworks and advice and stories of these wonderful entrepreneurs to then um, get started uh, and sort of take that permission. But I, I think that the message is already there. Yes. For our listeners, uh, as a recap, uh, this brilliant book, which I love, is called The Answer Is You, a guidebook to creating a life full of impact. There'll be a link to that book as well. And Alex, I wanted to ask you as a sort of closing uh, statement, what can our listeners do to you know, stay in touch, um, 
connect with you, connect with the book? Are there any particular platform? I know you've got a, can you share with me your, your, your platforms, your website, anything, uh, anything else that really will help sustain the momentum? Yeah. So, so obviously apart from getting the book, yes. uh, and I thank all of you, um, for doing that is, um, you, I have a website called your impact life.com. I'll, I'll put a link up for um, that as well. Super, super. And there's a number of articles. Uh, you can sign up uh, for the newsletter as well. Um, and the, uh, as part of um, that, you can you can also email me at, um, I think it's alex at yourimpactlife.com, but it's it's on the website. So Fantastic. Be, be my guest. Um, and I would love to hear, indeed, sort of feedback from yes. people on these issues and the book and everything else. I think this is part one of our conversation. I think there needs to be a follow-up conversation later in the year or early next year. Um, a bit, and because this is so big anyway that it requires sustained commitment and momentum. And this is something that's very close to my heart and I know millions of others around the world. So I've, I've loved our conversation today and... I think in the, the saying goes, it's not the end, it's not the beginning of the end, but it might be the end of the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I hope so. We'll see. But thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Alex. Thank you so much. <laughs>